Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Does anybody remember what I was preaching on last Sunday? Huh? Characteristics of revival. Amen. Hallelujah. We're in revival. Well, what is revival? Let's look again at our text and go to Habakkuk. <clears throat> Glory to God. Habakkuk, the third chapter. And verses 2, beginning in verse 2. Says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And verse 3 says, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Now, like I said last week, in one sense, we know that God is everywhere. We know that God is omnipresent. He is in everywhere at all times. And, you know, you can't, you know, the psalmist David, he said, there's no place I can go to get away from you. If I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I go into the depths, you're there. You know, where, no matter where I go, you are. So we know that God is everywhere. But here it says God came to, uh, to Teman. That means he was, he was not at Teman. He came there. Well, in one sense, he was there. But we know that God is present in certain places and in certain times to a degree that he isn't in other places and other times. Isn't that right? God shows up in a stronger way. There are manifestations of his presence uh, that uh, do not exist all the time everywhere. And so this really is my definition of what revival is is when God comes on the scene in a, in, on the scene in a fresh, uh, 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 revigorating way. God just shows up and begins to work uh, in a congregation or in a group or uh, however wide a revival may spread. God is there in an unusual way, and and you know it has been said that the world cannot experience revival because for something to be revived, it would have to have previously been vived. <laughs> it has to be alive at one time for it to be revived. And, and the world can't be revived because it's never been alive. The world needs uh, salvation. But the church needs revival. And, uh, and it's a time when the Spirit of God calls us near and begins to, to work in us in a new and fresh way. It's a time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, like, to talk, like I talked about last week, this is the first time, you know, I've, uh, my wife and I founded this church 35 years ago this summer. And we've never had, even though, you know, we have some people out today, uh, we've never had revival in this church like we're experiencing it now in 35 years. That doesn't mean God hasn't moved, doesn't mean we haven't had times of refreshing. We have, but there's something about a genuine revival that's different. And it's like the old country, you know, the old country preacher was talking one time about the anointing. He said, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know when it ain't. 
Well, this is sort of the opposite, sort of the flip of that. Uh, we don't necessarily know what it isn't, but we know when it is. And when revival comes, you know it. When you experience it, you know it. And like I said, we've never had revival, though we've had wonderful times over the years and God has moved, we've never had this spirit of revival in our church before. And it's something that I'm familiar with. Because like I said, the church that I came out of before I went to Bible school was a church that was in revival. When I got back into fellowship with the Lord as a young man, 20 years old, I started going back to the church that I had attended when I was a, a, a youngster, and the church was not in revival then. When I got back into fellowship with the Lord after being backslidden for a few years, started going back to church, there was a revival going on in that church among young people young and young adults. And it, it really uh, uh, it reinvigorated the entire church, stirred the whole church. The church got in revival. And uh, this was from 1973 when I started going there until I left uh, in, in 1979, I think, 78 or 79. Uh, the church was in a constant state of revival. Now, I'm not talking about revival services. I'm talking about you can have, you can schedule an evangelist to come in and hold a, you know, revival, but that doesn't mean the church will be revived. And a church can be revived without an evangelist coming. And, uh, and so, you know, I knew what that was like. It was, it, was, uh, it was a very distinctive spirit of revival. Like I said, we never had this in our church here in High Springs until just recently. Now, it's something that I've prayed about, but I was never, for whatever reason, I was never able to bring us to this place. But I remember back in, in 2007... I was really praying at the time about, about, and this is one of the characteristics of not having revival, is a lack of prayerfulness. And I was very concerned at the time about our churches, this church's uh, uh, lack of prayer. A spirit of prayer just didn't exist in our church, and I was very concerned about it. And the Lord reminded me, I'd really forgotten about this. The Lord reminded me of something that the pastor did every year in the church that I came out of that was in revival. Every year he would hold this uh, special 10 days of prayer where people would come to the church, you know, and there, that we believed back then, and in, 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 a lot of people did, in this prayer chain concept about somebody praying all around the clock every hour, you know. And so everybody would, uh, or, or most everybody in the church would agree to take it, would agree to take an hour. They'd come to the church and pray. So anytime during that 10 days, middle of the night, 3 a.m. or 3 in the afternoon, anytime if you'd come to the church, there would be at least one person there praying at the church. Sometimes in, in more popular hours, there'd be more people, you know. And, uh, and then we'd do that for 10 days. This always was in the spring of the year, and it would culminate on the Saturday night before Pentecost Sunday. And so on Saturday night, everybody that had been participating would come in, and we'd have a great time of prayer and rejoicing, and, and uh, the Spirit of God would, would flow and move, and the gifts of the Spirit would operate. And, uh, and then next Sunday morning, that's, that, that next morning was, was Pentecost Sunday. Well, I didn't realize it until the Lord reminded me of this, and he said that 10-day prayer meeting every year is what kept that church in revival all year long. So the church would go in the glory of that 
And in the strength of that, like Moses, you know, went in the strength of, of, of what he had received from the Lord, you know, for 40 days. Well, uh, we, would, we would kind of uh, live in a, in a place of revival as a result of that uh, uh, special time of prayer. And it would repeat every year. And so the Lord reminded me of that. So I said, well, I know what I'm going to do. We're going to call a 10-day prayer meeting at our church. You remember this in 2007? And so we had everybody who would agree to pray for an hour, not necessarily come to the church, but pray at home, pray every, or wherever you could. And just, you know, pray for an hour a day for 10 days. I found out that people will agree to do most anything for 10 days. I mean, they'll agree to stand on their head for an hour a day for 10 days. If they know after the 10 days, they don't have to do it anymore. And so a lot of people didn't think they could pray for an hour. They didn't know what they'd do for an hour. How will I do it? But, but you rose to the occasion, and so many of you agreed to pray for an hour. But something happened during that time. A spirit of prayer caught hold. And suddenly people realized there is actually an anointing to pray. There's actually a flow of the Spirit. If you'll put your flesh under enough and just persevere and, and get into it, the Spirit of God will, will connect or hook up with you and, 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 and it'll be uh, something that's not just a, a labor the whole way. And so uh, after the end of the 10 days, at the end of the 10 days, people came to me and they said, Pastor, can we keep this going? We don't want to stop. Well, that was new. We never had that before. And so, you know, I think, I don't remember if we went another week or not, but at, at some point we finally, what I came up with is I tell you what, we'll have uh, everybody come out on Monday night and we'll just, you know, have one night a week of special prayer. Now, up until that time, we had had prayer on Monday night. We'd had a Monday night. I don't remember if we'd ever had it on Tuesday night. We'd had it on Friday night, Saturday night, uh, Wednesday night. At one time, I decided I'm just trying to get people to pray. And so at one point in our, in our history, you know, I decided we're going to make Wednesday night a prayer service. And we'll just have a few songs and then we'll just pray. We'll dispense. Well, I like to destroy the Wednesday night service. I mean, the attendance just went down, you know. And, uh, and so that didn't work. You know, I had to, to, to abandon that. But I remember we would have prayer on Monday night or whatever night we'd have it. And we'd have, you know, four to six people as a usual thing. And if we ever had 12 people, we just, I, I'd just come home on cloud nine. We had 12 people out there. And I'm talking about for 20 years. We did it. Some of you back there, the, Carol and, and Jackie were always faithful. I always counted on those two. They would be there. And uh, if nobody else was there, they were there. They were faithful. They were, you remember those times. And, uh, and this went on, like I said, I'd had it at different nights, you know, over the years. And we just couldn't get it going. But when this prayer uh, move took place in our church, suddenly people, you know, realized I can pray for an hour. And, and so we started having Monday night prayer meetings and, you know, the attendance went from, you know, 20 to 30 to 50 to 70, you know. And, and over those seven or eight years now, in June it'll be eight years, that uh, the number of people that have participated in prayer has ebbed and flowed, but it's never gone consistently under about 30, 30 35 people, not consistently. We've always had uh, large turnouts, you know, just a good participation. And as we've talked about so many times, there has been a move on these eight years in our church. God has been moving in the place of prayer and thank God for that. And what it has now done, it has produced this spirit of revival that's in the church. Now, 
There are moves of God. There are revivals. They're not necessarily the same thing. They can commingle. They can go on at the same time, but they can be separate from one another and, and not really related from one, to one another. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Now, now, let me add this. Like I said last week, if you don't know what revival is, if you're not experiencing revival in your own heart, you may be sitting there wondering, what in the world is he talking about? I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I love God. I read my Bible every day. I, I, am I in revival or not? Well, you're probably not. If you don't know it, you're probably not. Doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean anything like that. But there is, uh, revival is something that's distinctive. And let me add this. You can sit in a church like ours that is experiencing revival. And there are people in the church who are experiencing this revival. You can sit in a church like this with a revival going on and not be revived yourself. In fact, you can be in a church that's, that's experiencing a revival and you can love the revival. You can like it. You can, you can, you can be thrilled with it. You can come to church and say, yeah, things are happening. I, I like. you, in other words, you can endorse it and be for it and appreciate it and still not have revival burning on the inside of you. It's possible. Now, I'm, I don't suggest that. That's not what you want. But I'm saying it is possible. And, and so that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to sit in a church where God is reviving his people and not let that get in you. Amen? It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of what you seek after. Amen? Now, let me describe the difference in a move of God and revival. When I started return, when I returned to church, and, and my wife, you know, didn't come with me right at the time. She was a little slow. Uh, she wouldn't come to church, but she eventually started coming. Uh, this revival was going on in our church, and at the same time, there were some young people, some young adults, primarily, uh, in the church that had started uh, reading. Uh, after a man named Kenneth Hagan. They got a hold of some books written by a man named Kenneth E. Hagan, and they started reading his books. Well, this was already going on in the church when I started attending, and so it wasn't very long after uh, getting into the church and, uh, because I was just so hungry for God. I wanted everything God had for me. So this revival was going on. There's a good spirit of revival, but concurrent with that, there, there was this growing awareness of the message of the word of faith. And so we all started, I, you know, some of these uh, people had already started reading these books. They gave some to me, and, and I started reading them. And we found out that there was a move of God on in the nation. And it was called the word of faith movement, or sh for short, the faith movement. And now, the word of faith movement was a move. It wasn't a revival. It was something that God was doing in the church and God was, it was moving this way to elevate his word. What Brother Hagin always used to say, he said, I don't really like to call it the faith movement. I like to call it the word of God movement 
because the emphasis was on the truth of the word, delving into the word, finding out the riches of, the, of our inheritance and what belonged to us. In other words, putting the word first place in our life and, and, and ordering. It just there, there, was, there was in this movement, there was a, a, an explosion of the word of God. And that's scriptural. You remember when it says that over the book of Acts that the word of God increased, the number of the saints multiplied it, and the word of God increased. The word can increase. Now, it doesn't increase here, but it increases here. This word begins to grow among people. Well, that was a movement, and it was, and it was sweeping not only the nation, but it eventually swept the world. Now, that was a, that was a God-ordained movement and it was going on in the church, but it wasn't the reason for the revival going on in that church. It was something separate. It was going on at the same time among a certain group of people in the church, but the two weren't really related. Now, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Now, I was, from the, from the early 1970s, from 73 on, I became very uh, much a follower of Kenneth E. Hagin and his teachings. I, 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 I've read all of his books, and I, at that time, by 1975, I had read, read everything he had written, all of his books. Let me ask you a question. How many people in this church, raise your hand, you, you believe you've read all of Brother Hagin's books in print? I'm not talking about in Spanish. I'm talking about in English, you know. All of his, his books in print. Uh, or at least most of them, I'd say 90%. How many of you would say you've read, hold your hand up real high, 90% of Brother Hagin's books? That's not very many. How many would say you've read probably, and I know this isn't scientific, but you would guess probably 50% Brother Hagin's books? Hold your hand up. I'm, I'm, I'm scanning. I'm looking at something. Uh, our church doctrine, the things that we emphasize, we are a word of faith church. What we believe, we, we're, very, we're very much traditionalist in terms of orthodoxy. We believe all of the major uh, doctrines that Baptists believe, Methodists believe, and you know everybody, we believe all of those. Uh, but there's an emphasis in our doctrine on faith in God the authority of the believer, the truth that, God's, that God wills and has provided healing for everybody, prosperity for everybody, victory and so forth, peace. And so there, there are some things in our, in our church collective theology that we emphasize that you can't fully understand unless you go after those things. You say, well, pastor, I hear you all the time. Well, thank you. But how many of you know if you if you were wanted if you wanted to read, for instance, right, right over the years I've studied revival, and I'm studying it again. I'm going over some old books that I haven't read in a long time, and so I'm studying revival. And I like to read. For instance, I've been reading of late about the revival that swept uh, Southern California, primarily the San, uh, or rather the Los Angeles area. Do you know the revival in Los Angeles that that everybody recognizes as Azusa Street? It didn't start out in Los Angeles. It started in Pasadena, and moved to Los Angeles. But I, when in reading about that. I like to read from the people who were involved in it. There's a guy named, who was named Frank Bartleman, 
And he was one of the leading intercessors and prayers who helped pray in that move. And uh, he, uh, excuse me, this medication I'm on makes my nose bleed a little bit, so bear with me. Uh, if I'm reading about the revival that happened, I want to read what he wrote. I, I, I thank God for what other people said about what he said, but I want to go back to a primary source. Well, in, in the Word of Faith movement, it's important that you go to the primary source. Amen. I noticed that when I asked that question, I noticed that there was a generational difference. I noticed that there was a, an older generation in our church that's read a lot of Brother Hagin's book, and I noticed the younger generation had not. You Listen, if you've been raised in the word of faith, you know some things. But if you really want to know uh, and understand the word of faith, you've got to go after it. You, you, I, I would recommend that everybody in our church start going to the bookstore and select any book by Kenneth Hagin, buy it, take it home, and consume it. And when you're finished with that one, go get another one until you've read all of them. That'll take you a little bit of time. Take you several years to do it. But I recommend you do that because it's important that we understand the word of faith. And I don't go choose the same book because we don't have that many of any one edition. Pick different books. You know, we'll keep them supplied. But what I'm talking about is this word of faith movement was something that was necessary to undergird the revival that would come. See, revivals are, are times when God stirs people up to seek after him, but their theology may not be very good. As I've read all of the books on revival that have happened at different times, I am amazed at how goofy some of the theology was. The things that they believed and the things that, that, was, that was important to them, things that were important to them, were not really biblically sound. And yet God was, was working among them. There was a revival going on and it resulted in a lot of people being saved and establishing a lot of churches, but the doctrine wasn't very sound. What God did in the Word of Faith movement is He began to establish the importance of solid Biblical truth. And, and, it's, and God has done that for the hour we're in today. So that as revival begins to grow today, it will be undergirded by a doctrine that is solid and that will cause it to be what it ought to be and affect who it ought to affect in the right way. Does that make sense? Um, to illustrate this difference in revival and, and, a, and a move of God. Like I said, I, was, uh, I followed Kenneth Hagin very closely. I read all of his books. I read every one of the magazine that his ministry published. It was called The Word of Faith. I read every issue that came out. It was one of the, I mean, I, as soon as that magazine came out, I just read it and reread it. I think I was, I'm pretty much, I think I'm qualified to have an opinion on what was going on in the Word of Faith and Kenneth Hagin Ministries. There had never been, though it was a mighty move of God, there was no spirit of revival in it like had been in that church I was in. 
1983, there was a, there was a, a Brother Hagen conducted a Holy Spirit seminar in February of that year. I didn't have any intention to, of going and, and really hadn't thought about it. On Wednesday of that meeting, it started on, on, on Sunday and went through the following Sunday, and I hadn't even thought about it. I was both naturally and supernaturally led. Naturally led in that my friend, a pastor friend of mine, called me. He was in Tulsa. He said, Edwin, and he and I had been in the same local church that was in revival. He, and he had, he, had, he had gone to Raymond, graduated before I did, and I went to Raymond. He called me on that Wednesday. He said, Edwin, you need to get out here. He said, there's something going on in this campus that's never gone on before. He said, revival has broken out on the Rama campus. And so that was Wednesday. Uh, and then Wednesday night in church, I told the church that I was going the next day. And as I knelt down to pray, uh, we had a time of prayer at the end of the service. As I knelt down to pray, the Spirit of God spoke very distinctly, very, something very supernatural. He said to me, spoke some words to me, that on the next day, on Thursday night, my first night in that service, one of the other speakers got up and said the very same word, and it was something unusual. I'll tell you what it was. The Spirit of God said, I'm going to stop the mouths of the gainsayers. That wasn't my common terminology. And I knew that word was in the Bible, and I knew what it meant. And, uh, and, and so when I got there on Thursday, I told uh, the the pastor and, and there's a couple of men from his church I told him what the spirit of God I said the spirit of God spoke to me last night and said that he's going to stop the mouths of the gainsayers in this in this move in this revival and uh, that night we were in service and one of the speakers got it was Jeannie Wilkerson and she began to prophesy and she said and I'm and she prophesied in the middle of she said I'm going to stop the mouths of the gainsayers and and those three brothers were sitting next to me and they went they looked down the road at me so God supernaturally and naturally led me. But here's the point. Revival broke out on that campus. Now, I'm looking at the May issue of the Word of Faith. And uh, here's the report from that seminar that took place in, in February. It says, special report, Holy, Ghost, uh, Holy Spirit seminar. Refreshing move of God's Spirit gives foretaste of coming revival. This word had never been used at Rhema. And, and he goes on to say, uh, of the beginnings of a new wave of revival that will sweep the world were experienced during the annual Holy Ghost Seminar Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen conducted, blah, blah, blah. Records crowd turned out to enjoy this time of refreshing that came from the presence of the Lord. People attended from throughout the United States and various other countries. Many were supernaturally led to Tulsa. By the end of the week, more than 1,000 people had to be seated in the overflow rooms in other buildings. Because the 3,000-seat auditorium was full, great demonstrations of the Holy Spirit were in evidence as men and women representing the five-fold ministry stood in their respective, respective offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Dr. Hagen shared his pulpit with Oral Roberts, Kenneth Copeland, Demas Shikarian, missionaries, intercessors, and others. Uh, stirring prophecies were given concerning the coming revival of the Holy Spirit. Many in the congregation smelled the heavenly aroma of praise. Ascending to the throne of God. Many also smelled the scent of rain, the coming latter rain, spoken of in Zechariah 10 1. 
uh, Hosea 6.3 and James 5.7. At times great waves of rejoicing, shouting, laughing, singing, and dancing swept over the congregation. Because the Holy Spirit had complete liberty, the services often took unusual turns. Turns as, the, as, is, as was customary in old-fashioned Pentecostal meetings, Dr. Hagen would turn the meeting over to whomsoever or whichever minister he perceived had an anointing to share. And it goes on to talk about this, this uh, beginning revival. Well, that was 32 years ago. And th- this, this wave of revival has grown and it's ebbed. And then it's come back and it's ebbed over the 33 years. What what took place in that meeting 32 years ago? They were talking about a new wave of revival and glory that would sweep the nation and the world. God has been preparing us for this very thing. Now, now the point is, this was a revival that took place on the campus where the word of faith was established. So, it, it, and the two work together. They're not the same, but they, but they work together. Like I said, God has been preparing the church through the teaching of the word the, and, and establishing us in faith so that we will know what to do with this revival. So that we'll know what to believe, not get into excess, not get into error, and, but at the same time not compromise. Amen. So I've said all of that, and I was going to go further and go into some more of these other characteristics, but it just seemed good to me to explain this morning what revival is and how it differs from the movement we've been in. It's two different things, but you need to be involved in both of them. That's why I'm encouraging you to get Kenneth Hagin's books. Just go pick up one that somebody hasn't already bought and and start reading and start ed- educating yourself because you will read stories and illustrations. That's one of the primary ways that Dad Hagen taught. He taught by telling stories and giving examples. And so it will, it will really strengthen your faith. It will really strengthen your understanding of God's Word. And at the same time, we're going to keep on praying. And revival is going to keep on spreading and growing and and. Uh, the characteristics that I talk about, and, and I'm going to continue tonight, the Lord willing, uh, these characteristics were in the revival that I experienced in, in, in the 70s. These are, these are characteristics that, that I have gleaned from books that I've read on revival. These things are always go on on the insides of people who are experiencing revival. And I tell you what, God is doing tremendous things. Like I said, you can sit here and you can miss out on this spirit of revival, but please don't do it. Please don't do that. Begin to, I'll give you the two things that we talked about last week. The first characteristic of revival in a person's life, in other words, this is what revival will look like in your life. If you wonder, well, I don't know, am I revived? I don't even know what that is. Here are the characteristics, two of them last week, we'll go into more as we go on. First, the first one is a deep hunger for more of God in your life. A deep, I'm not talking about a casual hunger, I'm not talking about agreeing. We all agree that we need more of God. Everybody, if I said, do you really think you could have more of God, everybody in here would say, well, yeah, I believe that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a deep hunger 
a deep hunger. I'm talking about a deep hunger where you have to have more of God. You just can't live like you are. You just got to have more of God. You got to know him better. You got to have better fellowship with him. You need to understand him better. You want to commune with him more. There's a desire, a hunger that, that get, gets you up in the middle of the night that, that consumes you during the day. You just want to slip off someplace quiet by yourself where you can just spend time with him because you just want to know him better. You can have that. Every revival has that characteristic. Second one we mentioned last week, uh, repentance and separation. In other words, when you see things, when the Lord begins to show you things that you need to change in your life, you're willing to do that. And if the Lord isn't showing you something, you're saying, Lord, show me. Show me what I don't see. I want to know that I have everything out of the way. Because see, sometimes there are, uh, uh, the Bible talks about weights. The Bible talks about laying aside sins and weights. Sometimes we have things in our lives that are weighting us down, but if we're not spiritually perceptive, if we're not really following after the Lord and hungering after Him, we won't notice those things. And so the person who's hungry for more of God, it causes him to say, no, Lord, search my heart. Show me if there's anything in my life. Now, I'm not, and it could be sin, but it might not have to be sin. It could be other things. Anything that's holding me back, anything that's consuming more of my heart than it ought to, anything that has a greater place in my life that's keeping that portion of me being following after you, show that to me. I'm willing to, rep, I'm, I, I repent now ahead of time. I'm willing to separate myself from that. That's what we're talking about, repentance and separation. So we'll talk about some more of it. We're out of time today. But there are, there are things that are characteristic of, of a person in revival. And, and, and you say, well, I don't think that describes me, Pastor. You can make a decision. You can make a decision. An act of your will more often proceeds spiritual realities in your life. You make a decision to go after something spiritually that at the time you, you, you're convicted in your heart. You ought to have that, but you really don't want it because you're not there. You're, you're just, just, you know, your flesh has dominated you to a point where you don't really long after that, but you have a conviction. Maybe I said something or somebody else said something or you read something and you're convicted. I need that in my life. Even though you don't really have a, much of a hunger for it, if you'll go after it, God will stoke that hunger. It'll build on the inside of you. And so if you're not in revival, go after it. I tell you what, God is doing something in this Word of Faith church that's important and, it, and, and we have a broad platform of understanding of God's word that, that will help us but, but we, can't, we can't rest on our laurels amen God is wanting to do something and, and we get into these other characteristics of revival you'll see why it's so important that we're in revival amen well praise the Lord I think I've gone all around the world today but uh, I wanted to give you an, uh, an understanding of what revival is. Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's stand up and just praise God for a minute. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we love you, Lord. 
Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus. Wonderful Savior. Wonderful Lord. We're so glad we're born again. Thank you, Father, for washing us in the blood of Jesus, cleansing us, giving us a new birth, a new life. Glory to God. Thank you for putting your spirit on the inside of us. Thank you for baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you for the word, the truth of the word that has set us free. Jesus said we would know the truth and the truth would make us free. We've been set free because of the word of God. Oh, we thank you. We have so much. We thank you for our inheritance. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the call that's on our life. We thank you for the wonderful responsibilities that you've given us to share the word of God with other people. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for life, eternal life, all that goes with what we have today. We're, we're not what we will be, but we're not what we were either. Thank God you've transformed us. You've changed us. We're not proud of what we have in the sense that we look at other people who don't have what we have. People who are unsaved or unenlightened or unlearned. We don't boast because there's nothing we have that wasn't given to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't produce it. You did it. And so we're humble, but we're also appreciative, Father. We thank you for the, for the truth. We thank you for life. We thank you for peace. We thank you for the, the operation of the Holy Spirit and his leading every day in our lives, giving direction, bringing us into a fuller understanding of the truth. We thank you for these things. And we know that there's so much more, so much more out there that's available, so much more we can have. And it's so much more of what we already have, just more of it. Father, we long to go further with you. Hallelujah. To know you better. To have more of your will uh, being worked out in our daily lives so that we'll be more like Jesus than we've ever been before. A greater testimony than we've ever been. That your light will shine through us more than it's ever shown before. It'll point people to Jesus in a more powerful way than, than we ever have before. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for where we are. Thank you for what we have. Thank you for what's ahead. Glory to God. Oh, we are willing, Lord. We're not just willing to lay aside every weight. We're determined to lay aside every weight. We've decided to lay aside anything that has a bigger place in our life than it ought to have so that we can be more completely yielded to your will and your way. Thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. 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 Oh. Just join with me. Help me pray right now. Suzivad Bejikastimon Zeda. E e e marininchi. 
Uporadafle, Tefre, Meregi, Prevere, Ninji, no Oritas Dave, Eshiman and Minsi, Copper, Apafre, Beredipadads, Dana, Estumele, Meish, Iki, Imi, I unis, Tema, Akada, Daisi, O Brovadada, O Bravele, Mene, Elemesti, Olocosti, O Prefele, Merita, Ipreva, Atra, de Gerada, O Shimber, Emena. Eshremena mena mevias to stofria pefrefida dios to stavia bravanda o from a maradela eprememeradea sistefria pekera babatria stera devasti ostoria danaya o nella masi o nella masi o nella mela nella spe e mela nella stefala mena kia chocopala mala stafia dala mela stafia ola menella stava rebefa Oh, Relamasus. Oh, Le Malakia Prevele Befra Vici Provele Bedra Vedvera Tazia for a baby baradia chakopra balanazas. As this is day, Steffiat Beda Tefia Chapefala Malata Tefia Tatera Gazafa the Diastanza. Oh, Shemenanea, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Prepare our hearts. Prepare us for those things that you have prepared for us. Prepare us for those things that you have prepared for us. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. God is good, isn't he? Amen. I tell you what, God's on the move. Don't, don't, don't get left behind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me, let me take just a minute and say something. Not too long ago, somebody was talking about being concerned that you are behind other people spiritually and somebody is here and you're here and you feel like you can't catch up. In the realm of the spirit, it's not. Now, in maturity, in, in spiritual maturity, there is a catching up. But in revival, there isn't. It doesn't matter where you are or what level of your intimacy with God or your maturity in God or any of those things. When you catch fire, you burn just as brightly. You know, the little stick burns just as big as, just as brightly and just as hot as the big stick on a fire. You know, you might be nothing but a little pine cone, but you can just burn bright, you know. So don't be worried about where you are. 
God will revive you where you are. And the heat you put off in revival is just as good as anybody else's. Praise God. Amen. So take hold of what God has for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.